Hello and welcome to the BNP Paribas Markets 360 podcast. We cover the topics that matter from the global economy to market strategy. Hello, everyone. My name is Jeff Schultz. I'm the Chief Economist for Middle East and Africa Markets at BNP Paribas. And I'm joined today by Nicola Carrara, our economist covering emerging markets. Today, we want to discuss the hot topic of still high and sticky food inflation across emerging markets right now. What does it mean for policymakers uh, amid uh, tightening global financial conditions and a plethora of policy challenges globally? On a side note, we'd also like to flag that BNP Paribas clients can also find our podcasts on the new Global Markets app, along with other Markets 360 content. It's Tuesday morning in London, 2nd of May, 2023. So Nicola, to kick off, out of all the components across the CPI basket, why are we looking at food in a lot more detail? Thank you, Jeff. And look, food prices matter a great deal for EM inflation. We find that households in emerging markets tend to spend a significant proportion of their disposable income on food, 23% on average, as of 2021. Now, the rise in prices seen since 2022, paired with the inelastic nature of demand for food, could take this number to over 30%, we estimate. And this compares with just under 13% in developed markets. Unsurprisingly, then, the weight of the food component on headline CPI is much heavier in emerging markets. What's more, well, looking exclusively within emerging markets, we find that food weighs nearly twice as much as other important components, such as fuels and energy altogether, on average. Okay, understood. So weights matter, but also uh, the proportion of what disposable incomes are actually spent on uh, in terms of food also matter. And here, emerging markets stand out um, a little bit more from what I'm hearing from you. Okay, but... You know, to counter that, surely food inflation has peaked by now. So, you know, things should be should be looking a lot better, right? Indeed, Jeff, it has peaked. We estimate that just about 50% of the world's countries are now living with food inflation of 6% year on year or more, down from about 90% of them in October. The growth in food inflation, therefore, is calming down. Food CPI levels, however, tell a very different story to growth rates. While we forecast food inflation across major emerging markets to return within the respective central banks' mean target ranges from as early as this June, this is not to say that CPI levels for food will be consistent with targets. In fact, if you look at the level of uh, disinflation in key international food prices, our calculations suggest that current dynamics are much stickier than in the global food price spike of 2008 and are actually closer to those experienced in 1996 and 2011. All right, that's clear. So levels matter. Uh, But what is keeping these levels so elevated then? So, Jeff, there are a couple of reasons we think can explain the slower pace of disinflation in food levels. Point number one, resilient demand in a number of economies. Why do I say that? Well, GDP levels have bounced back from the pandemic-induced growth shock. Now, from here, even though we expect the economic performance of most emerging markets to remain below trend in the next two years, food items are relatively inelastic in nature, as we know, given their importance in consumer spending baskets. Point number two, continued supply risks stemming from the Ukraine war. Our base case here is for a prolonged steelmate, which should keep prices of agricultural inputs 
such as fertilizers, elevated going forward. Why is that? Well, this is because their production process is heavily energy dependent. Last but not least, point number three, this has to do with export restrictions through taxes or outright bans. We know that estimates from the International Food Policy Research Institute show that around 7.4% of total food consumed worldwide is subject to some kind of trade restriction, still well above levels seen before the war. What's more, we find that 31 out of the 36 restrictions that are currently active are scheduled to stay in place until year end, with the remaining five being minor ones, so suggesting very little to no relief at all on this front before 2024. Right, so what I'm hearing here is, is this is gonna be a slow burn lower in food price levels compared to let's say 2008, which saw a much sharper uh, deceleration uh, in food level inflation. Um, but now that has implications surely for emerging market inflation expectations. So while the year-on-year growth in food prices can fall sharply and perhaps even enter deflation, uh, will EM inflation expectations remain stickier in this environment? Indeed, Jeff. And look, we find that EM inflation expectations show a significant response to changes in the FIO index of food prices. So unsurprisingly, the latest retracement to year-on-year deflation coincides with some relief in inflation expectations. These look to have peaked, at least according to our analysis of 12 months ahead consumer projections. This is not to say, however, that the risk of higher expectations becoming entrenched has receded. In fact, expectations remain significantly higher compared to pre-COVID levels. Pointing to the importance of looking beyond the headline rates and assessing the levels of disinflation in key inflation expectations drivers such as food. So central banks shouldn't bank on base effects alone to bring inflation expectations back into line. And for those who are familiar with our toothpaste theory of inflation, central banks need to work even harder to squeeze out the remaining toothpaste, or inflation if you will, the closer they get to finishing the tube. Now let me explain. It's easy to squeeze the paste out at first, but it becomes progressively harder towards the end. And too much paste left in the tube means inflation will still run above target. Thanks for that, uh, Nicolo. And credit due to our global head of economics, uh, Marcelo Cavallo, uh, for that fantastic toothpaste analogy. But Nicolo, uh, final question from me. Um, the, the title of your note, Menu of Unappetizing Policy Choices, um, implies that um, there could be some temptation to look beyond the realm of monetary policy to get food prices and food levels uh, back under control. Uh, what's your take here um, on the risks going forward? Look, Jeff, in some emerging markets that uh, top our food vulnerability indicator, which you can find in our note, by the way, Egypt, for instance, we worry that persistent supply challenges might trigger socioeconomic tensions. Now, in those countries in particular, governments might want to try and ease social pressures by stepping up subsidies, for example. But this, of course, could come at the expense of fiscal consolidation at a time of tightening global financial conditions. I mean, a number of emerging markets already faced their biggest bills for servicing foreign debts in a quarter of a century. Also, further fiscal loosening, inflationary in nature, 
might prevent central banks from being able to ease policy for fear of losing credibility and hurting their currency. On the other end, reaching and then holding terminal rates at more restrictive levels will further complicate life for fiscal authorities. But walking away from the inflation fight prematurely, we argue, would be even worse. So in this environment, Jeff, raising inflation targets might look like a short-term solution. However, we think this would do more harm than good. Just think about Brazil, right? It provides a case in point. When the debate between President Lula and the BCB's board around a new, higher target heated up in January, it did not take long for 12 months ahead inflation expectations to move higher. So Jeff, to conclude here, the underlying message behind the title of our note is one of harder, or unappetizing, if you will, policy trade-offs for EM policymakers. Great. Thanks, Nicolo. So I guess in conclusion, central banks shouldn't bank on base effects alone to bring inflation and inflation expectations back into line. They need to work even harder to squeeze out the toothpaste, as it were, the closer they get to finishing the tube. And I guess this brings me to our final point, and it's one of the key reasons why we still think some emerging market central banks probably still have to hike rates a little bit more this year. Mexico, South Africa, and Egypt stand out here. Uh, while we see less than a handful of emerging market central banks, such as Hungary, the Czech Republic, and Chile, perhaps, that are in a position to ease rates this year. In fact, most central banks globally are probably going to have to wait until 2024, we think, before being able to provide more meaningful monetary easing. We're going to wrap it up there, but I'd like to thank Nicola for joining today and to our listeners for connecting. Best of luck and cheers for now. This communication does not constitute research, a recommendation or any form of advice from BMP Paribas or its affiliates. It does not consider your financial circumstances or objectives and it may not be suitable for you. It should not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part.